Well, as you can just uh, see and on the stage behind me and the decorations on the side of all of us, that uh, we had a children's ministry this past week, Vacation Bible School. And if you see some adults on campus that look a little tired, it's because they've been here all week and uh, they, uh, they, got, they got worn out by those little ones. Um, and it's interesting as you think about spending a week uh, trying to pour into the lives of children uh, uh, God's truth is... It just reminds you that very often uh, in Scripture, in fact, uh, hardly ever does the Bible describes us as adults, as those who follow Him. We're all called children of God, and when we sometimes think that we are somewhat better than the, the people that are smaller in stature, He tells us that unless you be like a child, you'll have nothing to do with the kingdom of God. And so this morning what we want to do, we want to take an entire week and give you an opportunity to get in on what we spent um, five days pouring into the life of children. And I, I dare say that, that we, what we taught them is what we need to have to be taught in terms of our own following after Him. As we've been going through the Gospel of Luke, we've heard many times where Jesus would speak to those who were listening to them, uh, do you have ears to here. And he also would say, if you're looking at a little bit uh, to the, the middle of our face, uh, do you have eyes to see? And so this morning what I want to do is I want us to look at some things that, that God wants us to see. I want us to see what God wants us to see. And, and if he wants us to see, I'm sure he wants us to see well. Uh, almost all of us, uh, the older we get, even if we had perfect eyesight, 2020 as we were growing up, can see the fine print and everything that was handed to us, there comes a, a, a time where we need someone to help us, what? See. We need to put on some things that will magnify things that are really small or, or give us the, the ability to see something that is distant. And, and really, as you think about that, that's really what we started off the week with, with our children. Uh, there's a verse in the Psalm 119, open my eyes, Lord, that I may see wondrous things from your law. I was reading one author this past week, and they said this is the most significant prayer you can ever pray when you get into this book. Because if somehow you think, well, you know, I really already know it, or I've studied this passage before, or I think I've got this part handled, you know, handled, uh, then you've missed it. Because all of us need God's help in seeing what He wants us to see. And I find that particularly in, in reading, uh, you know, throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, that even portions I've read many, many times before even preached or taught on, and when I read through it again, I see things I never saw before. Now, part of that is because I have man's disease. You know what man's disease? We can look at something right in front of us, and we don't what? We don't see it. Anybody have a husband like that or, <laughs> you know, a child like that? You know, you, you go to the kitchen, and you're looking for something. You open up the refrigerator and say, I need, I, I can't find whatever it is. I can't find the, ch- uh, the, the for me, it's often the ketchup. You know, I can't find the ketchup, and I need the ketchup. And, and Alice will say, it's right in front of you on the third shelf. And I say, I'm looking on the third shelf, and I don't see it. And she comes out from wherever she was, and she says, look, it's right there. Oh, I didn't see it. And, and it can be right in front of you, and somehow you miss it. And that's really true for us, no matter if you do it for a living like I do it, or whether you do it just as your heart's desire to, to learn what God wants you to learn is you need to ask God in the very beginning, I want to see well. Open my eyes, Lord, that I may see wondrous things from your law. And if you've ever been a student of God's Word, there are certain parts of God's Word that are harder to understand than others. Have you found that out? 
And if you haven't found out, then you haven't read most of the Bible because there are portions here that are difficult to grasp what is he saying to us. And so we need God's help. As we go into the psalm, Psalm 119 is a, a psalm that had many of the memory verses, and that's all I'm going to do is I'm going to quote the memory verses from this past week and try to tie some very simple thoughts around it. As we began with that, that, that verse in verse 18 of Psalm 119, and Psalm 119 is somewhat a, a unique part of, the, of God's Word, of, of the book, and that's what the word Bible means, it means book, is there's 55 books within the book. And within the 55 books within the book, the biggest book within the, the book is the book of Psalms. If you were to use the same word we use of other portions of God's Word, it has 150 chapters. We call that 150 Psalms. But if you take the entire Bible and say, which, which chapter is the longest chapter? It would be the 119th Psalm of the book of Psalms. And if you were to count the verses, you'd find out there's 176 verses. And what's interesting, it's so important for the psalmist to get across a point that he takes 176 verses to say the same thing over and over and over again. You know, most preachers, when they come, they, they don't just give you one point. They have multiple points. Well, this preacher basically was given one point. He said it in a variety of different ways, and he actually gave it in somewhat of a mnemonic way to remember it. In our language, how many letters do we have in our language? 26. Well, in the Hebrew language, there's 22. And what he did is he took 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, and he made it like an acrostic, like he would put eight verses, and every verse began with letter A, the first eight verses, and the next letter, B, he would, he would say, now he would write all those verses had to begin with letter B, and then he'd go on to C, and then he'd go on to D. And he was trying to get them to understand, this is so important. I, I want you to learn this and get the idea. And I want you to understand that when he says, I want to see wondrous things from your law, he doesn't use the same word law in every different, every different passage. He uses different words. He uses the words testimonies, precepts, statutes, commandments, judgments, word, ordinances, as well as law. And really, when you hear people talking about, I, I love your law, he's not just talking about the rules and regulations part. He's talking about anything that God presents as truth. And so what we wanted to pour into the, the, the children's lives in the very beginning is we want you to understand there's a book above all books. And this is the book that you want to come to, not just like you would read uh, something else, a comic book this week, but you would come into this and ask God himself to open up the eyes of your heart that you might see the wondrous things in it for you. And so I hope this morning as we try to look at some things that God wants us to have as a foundation for that, that we might value it like we wanted the children to value it as well. He wants, first of all, to see well. But what does he want us to see? First of all, he wants us to see that all Scripture is inspired. All Scripture is inspired. And you're going to see the fill in the blanks are kind of right out of the text. And what we had them memorize as a, as a passage here was all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And that's found in, uh, not in Psalm 119, but it's found in 2 Timothy 3.16. And it's used in the present tense. Uh, it's funny, sometimes those old children have very tough questions for us big children, okay? And they say, well, why, why isn't all Scripture has been inspired by God? Wouldn't that be a better way to say it? Well, in some ways that makes sense, doesn't it? But when Paul wrote it in 2 Timothy, all of God's Word had not been written. Okay, and so all Scripture is inspired by God because there was something in the future, the book of Revelation particularly, that hadn't been written at that time. Uh, 
But what I want you to really understand is that when we say all Scripture is inspired by God, it's much more powerful than how we normally use that word inspired. When someone preaches a sermon that really captured our heart, we might call that, that sermon very, what? Inspiring. If someone were to sing a song that just really touched you know, us in a tender way, we'd say that song was very inspiring or inspirational. And we would use that all the time if we, if we particularly write like a, a, a piece of poetry or, or even some other prose that was written in a powerful way. We'd say that was inspiring or inspirational, that that person must, must have been inspired. But, but the reality, is that we're, what we're doing when we say that is we lessen the, the, the intent of that word. The intent of that word is all Scripture, all the writings from God are God-breathed. In one sense, and let me just say it very, and in fact, I, I mentioned, I'm going to spend a little bit longer time on this point than I did in the first service because I found after the first service, they didn't get it. Okay, you're much sharper than they are, but I'm going to, there, there was one person I said, I, I didn't agree with you when you said that, the, that um, when people speak or sing, it's not inspiring. You know, you've, you, I've heard preachers say something, and then I thought, oh, that was so inspiring to me. And I said, I said that's, that's not, I, I know that's how we use it, but that's not how God uses it. When, when we talk about the Scripture being inspired, that's unique to the Bible. It's unique to the Bible. And, and what he is actually saying, it's not even the writers of the of the scripture were inspired, but the words himself were inspired. They, they came from God. Now, he, he empowered them to write it, but the, 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 the words themselves are from him. And, and so then we realize it's, it's the source, it's the Bible that gives us the truth about God. You are, I've said this many times, you are free to disagree with me any time uh, with my interpretation of the Bible. But when the Bible says something clearly, when you argue with it, you're not arguing with me, you're arguing with who? God, because it's His Word that's inspired. It's His Word that comes from Him. Does that make sense? And so when we, when we come to this book, and we, as the children come to this book, we wanted them to know this is a book beyond all books. And, and we've received it in unique ways. And, and as we look at it, we can see it's, it's, it's a unique book, uh, and that shows how special it is. There is no book in all of history that has been written over 1,500 years on three different continents by 40 different authors in three different languages that has one central theme with no contradiction. You can't go anywhere with that. There, there is no book in the Bible, there's no book in the entire world that's been translated in over 2,000 languages. And why would we do that? It's not for monetary reasons. There, there are places in, in the world where we spent a lot of money that we don't get in return because we believe we're giving them something that is unique to all of life. It's, it's a message from God. And so you'll go, and that's what we're going to try to do in Burkina Faso, is that we're going to go to a, a, a people group that don't have the Bible, and we'll spend with other people lots of money that will not get in return because we want them to have a word from God. Does that make sense? You can even look at how it was copied in the Old Testament. You know when the, the, the Jewish scribes would copy the, the, 
the Bible, the Old Testament, you know, they didn't have a photocopy machine. Or they just, you know, memory crapped it off or whatever it might be. They had to write every single word. And they went to great pains to, to demonstrate that they saw it as the literal word from God. They, would, they wouldn't even copy it unless they had been bathed completely. And, and when they would copy, they would copy all the words from another copy. And after they finished one page, they would count all the letters. And if they were one letter off, they wouldn't correct the one letter. They'd throw away the document and start all over again. If a king came into them while they were writing the text and began to inquire of them or ask them to do something, they would not stop from what they were doing. They held everything that they knew about what they were writing down as being given from God. There are 8,000 promises for God's people to realize the goodness of God and what His message is for us. This book has been tried to be destroyed for centuries, and no one has been able to do so. Its prophetic fulfillment puts God's supernatural stamp on this book. Its message is clear. Its, Its uniqueness is established. And so on that very first page, and we actually, what we did during the vacation Bible school is we took the word Bible, and we, we made it an acrostic, and we wanted to drive it home. And you might realize by just looking up on the stage, everything that we did throughout the week was to communicate a message, whether it be through the crafts or through the games or through the refreshments, you know, whatever it might be, through the, the stories. We even had science projects to communicate a clear message. And the first message was taking the, the word Bible, the, the letter B is, this is a book above all books. It's, it's unique, and it's created and preserved by God. One of the things we did was, and we didn't have time to do all this in, in great depth, was, there was a, a special animal for every, every day. And on the first day, there was the polar bear. Now, the polar bear, we were at Operation Arctic, and you would have thought, well, that's a good animal. Everybody knows there's a polar bear in the Arctic. But you know about the polar bear? I just learned it this week. The polar bear, you know, there's two, there's two Arctics, right? There's Arctic and there's the what? Antarctic. Did you know that the polar bear is only in the Arctic? It's not in the Antarctic? That God, this was a unique creature that God made. And as you look at it, sometimes you look at it on the surface, and you say, well, what color is the polar bear? He's what? And she is too, but he is white. But actually, he or she is not white. Actually, the hair is, comes from hollow little tubes. And what it is, it's a clear, basically, the polar bear is clear, but the light reflects off of it, and it, it looks white. God created the polar bear in such special ways that it and it alone, in terms of its size, uh, being a mammal on part of the snow, could actually exist. The paws are... are are beyond normal uh, proportion to the body. So when it walked on the snow, it would not sink. And even when it got in the, in the water, uh, it was able to, to propel itself at such a speed that it could get things to eat. You know that, you know that a polar bear, I, I just learned this week, you're going to be amazed at my, what I know about polar bears now, is that polar bears, that, that they can swim at six miles per hour, and do you know that our Olympic swimmers can only swim at four and a half miles per hour? And do you know that a, a polar bear can be 10 feet tall and weigh 1,000 pounds? 
And what God has done, it is a unique animal that's placed in the Arctic. And if, if the animal can be created in such a way to be uniquely in a particular place to survive and to thrive, God can also create a book that's unique and special. But not only do we want the children to know that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is inspired. We also want them to know that, that, that God's Word is a lamp and a light to their feet. And that's what uh, Psalm 119.105 says, Your Word is a, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And really the idea there is, and if you take the second letter in the, in the word Bible, if the Bible is the book of books, the I really speaks about the incredible impact God can make in our lives. And really, that's the story of the Bible. The Bible is really not given for us for, our, for information, but for transformation. I was kidding the people in the first service after the kids came up here and sang all the books of the Bible. I said, well, everybody get out their blue book now. Let's see how well you do writing down all the books of the Bible. Well, it's great if you can do that, but what God is more impressed is that you take the things that are in the Bible and put them in your life and see how we can change you in an incredible way. That, that's the story of how God touches down and changes people's lives. And we told them the story or the account of, of Paul, and who was Saul in Acts chapter 9, where he was persecuting the, ch- the church and the Christians, and then Jesus touched him and brought him to faith, and his whole life was dramatically changed to the point where he said, you know, everything in my life that I thought was important to me is not important. It was all, it's just rubbish. But for me to live is Christ. You know, that can be illustrated in, a, in an animal, too, in the Arctic. Uh, and I didn't know this actually exists in the Arctic as well. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's the Arctic hare. Did you know there was a, there was a hare that lived in the, in the, in the Arctic? Basically, I look as a little bunny. But, you know, did you know bunnies lived in, 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 in the Arctic? Shake your head like you, you're still listening to me, okay? They're like, this way or this way, okay? Uh, and you think, well, how, how, did, how does God uh, able to take a, a hare and allow it to live, exist, and thrive in the Arctic? Well, one of the things is because he can dramatic, because those little creatures there, you'd say that, that's, that's probably good little meat for whoever wants to eat meat, you know, in the Arctic. Well, the, the Arctic hair can change colors. In fact, it does change colors. In the winter, it's all white, and in the snow, I mean, in the summer and the spring, it turns brown and gray, and so it can change colors. And just like our lives, we need to understand, if we understand the message of the Bible, the Bible transforms us. It can change us. There's all kinds of little interesting side stories about the Arctic hare. Do you know the Arctic hare can actually tra- um, travel at 40 miles per hour? Isn't that incredible? It's given, you know, its eyes are on the side of its head so it can see around. It's given certain eyelashes so that it can cover itself almost like sunglasses so it doesn't get snow blindness. And God has uniquely placed that little animal in a place where it will not only live but thrive. And it illustrates for us the incredible impact that God can have in a life that really knows Him. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, you might have heard that verse before, but so often we forget that, don't we? And we go through life not looking for God's guidance, but we think we've got, we've got, we've got it kind of squared away. We can do whatever we want, or we think we know what we ought to do, and we don't consult God's word. 
Have you ever, uh, on a physical, have you ever been up at late at night and, and there's no light and you think, well, I think I can get my, my, my body from point A to point B, and what happens? You run into something. But why? Because there was nothing to illuminate your path. And, and that's what God does. God does not inspire us, but he does illuminate us. He does turn the light on us to be able to see what he wants us to see. Understand the difference between illumination and inspiration? God takes that which is inspired and gives us the ability to see what's there. And when that happens, incredible change can happen. So what does God want us to see to see well? He wants us to see that God's word is inspired. He wants us to see that it is a light and a lamp, uh, a, a, light to our, uh, a, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Thirdly, he wants us to realize that, that Jesus is our rock. Jesus is our rock. There's a great uh, story, a mini story in one of Jesus' sermons. It was actually his conclusion on the Sermon on the Mount in which he, he compared two types of lives, a life that was foolish and built his house on the sand, and another who built his house, his life on the rock. And it was interesting, in the, in the time when we were there, uh, I had an opportunity to teach a little bit, but also kind of roam around and, and be with the kids. And I was with Joe one, one particular uh, craft day, and she said, I want, you to, I want you to meet Mayor. I want you to meet Mayor. And I said, well, yeah, great. So I went to meet her. And, I said, and then all she said, well, what's unique, what's really kind of interesting about Mayor is that he told us that no one had ever told him about God. I think it was last week when, when, when Adama was here, and we talked about going to an, an unreached people group in Africa, West Africa, that I think I shared part of in the closing of the service is that as we think about it, there are places where there is no established church. There are Christians around them, but there's no Christians within them communicating the message of Christ in their known language. And I think I mentioned, I said, there, there, are, there are children in our community that no one has ever talked to them about Jesus. And even though I knew that intellectually, when it happened this last week, it still was just almost shocking to me. One, that he'd be so readily to admit it. Well, I've never been to a place or I never had anybody talk to me about God. And so as we think about this is the message in which we can give the foundation, the bedrock foundation, the bedrock base for people's lives. Jesus said it this way, Therefore, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who build his house on the rock. But, but how can you build your house on the rock if you don't know the rock is Jesus? How, how, how can you follow him if you don't know anything about him? And so that's why God has, has called us to go and, and, to, and to tell and share the message of Jesus to anyone and to everyone. What is the foundation for your life? There's an animal that in fact, I, I began to learn the, the, the children and many of the, and most of the leaders were, were a lot sharper than I was because I, I, I didn't know anything about these animals. A narwhal. How many know what a narwhal is? I had no idea what a narwhal was. Narwhal lives in the, in the Arctic, and it, basically it's a whale. It's, it's like a narwhale. I guess he said the whole thing. And, and one of the nicknames of it, it's, it's, uh, it's, the, uh, it's the corpse whale or the unicorn whale. And the reason it's called a unicorn whale is because what protrudes out, you can't really see it so well, you can a little bit if you can see the, the picture, uh, out of its mouth, through its lip, 
protrudes like what we would call a tusk. And, and that tusk can be nine feet in length. And what's interesting about that nine, well, there's a lot of things interesting about that tusk. It's basically a tooth. Have you ever, ever had a tooth in the wrong place? I remember when I was growing up, I had a tooth on the top of my mouth, and they had to surgically remove it. It was like, it was kind of strange. But anyway, this tooth comes right out of their mouth and protrudes, and it really has nerve endings so they can kind of sense things that are going around it. But what's, what's interesting about a narwhal, in fact, and it's a mammal, okay, so it doesn't breathe underneath water, but what it has to do, it has to live its entire life in the shifting waves of the sea. And so what we were sharing with the, the children is that your life doesn't have to be that way. Your life can be based on a foundation and a rock. No matter what's going on around you, you have a strong foundation, and that foundation is Jesus because Jesus is the rock. And when you build your life on him, you're like a wise man who put his house not on the sand, but on the rock. So God wants us to see well. He wants to open up our eyes that we might see wondrous things from his law, his word. Then what does he want us to see? First of all, he wants to see that it is uniquely inspired. It is the book of all books. He wants us to see that his word is, is the lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. He wants us to see that Jesus is the rock. He's the foundation. And then thirdly, the next letter in the, in the word Bible is L, and it's the letter of love. And it's a simple truth this, is that we want, we want the children, every one of us, to see that God loves us. He, we want people to see that Jesus loves us. In Romans 5.8, it says this, but God demonstrates or shows us his love toward us in that while we were yet still sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so the great message that we were able to share with the children is that, that Jesus loves you. In the midst of all that's wrong in your life and everyone else's life, Jesus loves you. And the things that are wrong, he wants to do surgery and take that out of your life and pay the penalty for your sins. And that's the message of hope that we have, that Jesus will change our lives. But we've got to do the ABCs, don't we? We've got to admit our need and turn from our sin. We've got to believe that Jesus truly is the Son of God, that He is the Lord. He, he rose from the dead. And then we've got to make a commitment, a commitment to follow Jesus as our Lord and our God and our Savior. We've got to make a choice. We've got to believe that, that God loves us, and it's not just something that people say, but it's really true. The, the next animal that kind of portrays us in, in the Arctic is the, is the, the musk ox. Ox. Some people call it the shaggy musk ox. Now, there's a couple of reasons why this could be a symbol of the letter of love, communicating love. Because if you look at it, it doesn't look very loving, does it? it? It looks like a ferocious animal. In fact, it really is. It, in fact, the males, kind of ego-driven, they, they want to know who really is the alpha ox, I guess you could say it. And so to prove that, like you've seen other animals in the wild or maybe watched about them, is that they butt heads. And so they will butt heads until one wins and the other fails. And, and God is unique. He kind of made their, their, their brain um, and covering their brain in a way where there's an air pocket between where their horns would, would hit. And so they don't get that concussion quite as easily as, as it would if it was right on the surface. But it's, but it's interesting when these big animals who uh, can ferociously fight, when they're... Their young um, um, ox, I guess, cubs, whatever you want to call them, are in danger. What they'll do 
is all the adult uh, musk ox, they will, they will form a circle with their heads out and put all the inner one, all the younger ones in the middle. And you have to go through them to get to their loved ones. And really, that's the message of Christ, isn't it? That no, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ because he's surrounded us by his love. And if God is for us, what? Who can be against us? And that's pictured in the ox, the musk ox, and their love for their, their young ones. And then finally, the, the B-I-B-L-E, uh, that was the whole idea of exploring with excitement what God has for us. And so on, on the last day, the whole, whole message was see God's word as great treasure. See, it's one thing to, to see it's inspired. It's one thing to see it's the, it's the lamp unto your feet and your light to your path. It's one thing to see that Jesus is the rock. It's another thing to see that, that it's a letter of love. But are, are you so committed to it that you're going to pursue with all that you have and all that you are? In Psalm 119, it says this, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. We are, we are filled with life with all kinds of pursuits, all kinds of things that, that grab our attention and become important to us and high priority. And what the psalmist is saying here, look at I find my greatest joy in you. And, and where that joy is multiplied and magnified is in the words you say to me. And when I rejoice as your word, I see your word as great treasure. Now, to be really honest, it's, it's very easy for us to, to read a, a verse like that, but does that, does that work out in our life? Do, do we set aside time to be with God, and to be with God is to be in His Word? And we give you helps all the time about getting God's Word. Well, it's PT with God, and we're starting new reading plans for the book of 1 Corinthians where you ask questions of the text, and then you, then you reflect on it. Because we can all read God's Word, and as soon as we read it, we forget it. But if we have to wrestle with it, and look for something as, as treasure. Uh, one of the things I was, had the privilege to do was to be Professor Snowflake. And that doesn't mean I'm flaky. It just means that I was supposed to tell them about snowflakes. And they were supposed to look at snowflakes and, and see what they could see with the naked eye. But then they were given magnifying glasses, you know. And they, they were to see if they could see something they didn't see before by looking at it much more intently. And when you look at something intently, it demonstrates that you really see it as important and it has great treasure for you. So as you reflect with all of us about what we were trying to share this past week and communicate to to little children is, is we're all big children this morning, is that we want everyone to see what God wants us to see. And what we want to see, we want to see well. And what is it we need to see? We need to see God's words inspired. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. We want to see God's Word as, as the light that we need. Your Word is a light and a lamp, a light to my, a light to my feet, a lamp to my, a lamp to my feet, and a light to my path. We want you to see that Jesus is the rock. Therefore, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does them, he, I will liken him to a man who built his house on the rock. We want you to see that Jesus really does love us. But God demonstrates his own love to us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we want you to see God's word as treasure. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure.
How's your sight this morning? Are you seeing what God wants you to see? And are you seeing it well? Let's pray together. I thought we all want to be what you have made us to be. And for that to happen, we need to come humbly before you to ask you to give us the ability to see the things that we won't see or we won't see well. And Father, just as we challenge all the children, it all begins by seeing what needs to be seen first. And that is who Jesus is and who we are. That Jesus is the Savior for sin. And we are the sinners that need to be saved. And Father, if there be anyone here this morning that doesn't know you, might they just admit they are a sinner and turn from their sin? Might they believe, really trust that Jesus is who he claimed to be, Savior, and he died on the cross for their sins and rose again? Might they commit, commit to follow Jesus as Lord, God, and Savior and accept your gift? And Father, we can do that by simply communicating to you by prayer. Lord, come into my life, forgive me my sins, and make me the kind of person you want me to be. I receive your forgiveness today. And Father, if we know you, might we just treasure the truth about you from your word. Help us to know it, to learn from it, to love it, and to live it. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.